Last week, um, Connor preached, uh, it was a powerful message, there were a lot of things said there, which I, I don't think uh, he had the time to unpack, um, but we do want to kind of uh, continue a little bit along that vein, but what I want to challenge us with is, uh, is just about the gospel. I want to challenge us that in the days that we're living in, in the times that we're living in, uh, often our reality becomes our opinion. So all the enemy's got to do, and you can meditate on that one, write it down and think about it later, just follow what I'm saying. Um, all we've got to do, all the enemy's got to do is change our reality or shift our reality or the reality where we live in or the things that are happening, and then our reality becomes our opinion. Instead of the word becoming our opinion, instead of the gospel being our focal point, the gospel being our foundation of everything in our lives. Amen. Because the gospel's truth, everything else is actually a lie. It's a deception. It's not truth. But what we do is because we live in that reality, and it's very difficult in that reality. Um, I could go back. Uh, we could journey. I'm just thinking using Kim as an example. Um, when we journeyed through that time and in that season with her sister um, who passed away, uh, uh, in that time, the reality was she never got healed. And in that time of grieving, in that time of sorrow, it can shift you and you can go, well, maybe God doesn't heal everyone. Maybe God is not always in the business of healing. See how your reality can become your opinion. But what we've got to do in the midst of difficulties and challenges is always go back to the gospel, go back to the word, and make sure this is always our foundation and always our opinion. Amen. In fact, it's not even our opinion, it's truth. Amen. So no matter what we're walking, what we're facing, we never let reality speak louder than truth. There's a beautiful illustration in the Bible, um, not an illustration, but a point that Paul makes, which I'm going to get you now. But I just want to say this, that in Galatians chapter 1, there was a danger of the Galatians church uh, beginning to uh, uh, move a little bit away from the gospel. So I'll read it to you just, just quickly, just as a, as a launching point this morning. Galatians uh, chapter 1, you can read it. Uh, if you just go to verse uh, 6, let's just maybe start from verse 6. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. <laughs> I am astonished that you so quickly desert, deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. You can't get more powerful and more stronger words than that. What Paul's trying to emphasize there, which is uh, very strong, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end. Christ is the alpha and the omega and every single thing in between, amen. So no matter what we're walking, what our reality is, what the world might be thinking, doing, changing, how shifting, things happening, 
Uh, the bottom line is we have to keep coming back to the Word of God and back to the gospel and keep making it and making sure it's our foundation and the truth on which we stand. And even with my own understanding as I stand before you today and minister from this particular pulpit, my heart is always with fear and trembling that I stick to the Word of God because anybody who, stick, who drifts from the Word of God, let him be accursed. Those are powerful words, church. Words that we should be understanding and living by. This is the truth. Because the world is getting quite crazy out there and things are going up and down and all over the place. I was chatting to a very close friend just the other day, going to the gym, they were doing some stuff and um, he was with a man and two ladies and he said well, what was the fascinating or interesting thing is that the man was quite gentle and quiet, well let's just say he was quiet, where the two ladies were stripping wallpaper. What has happened in this world? Where men now are quiet Hello, how are you? And women are swearing like troopers. Reality, friends, is what is happening out there. God created you amazing, wonderful ladies to be women. Ordained, adorned, beautiful, precious woman with lavish words of beauty and encouragement and love, amen. And men, not to just stand by, but to, to support and to protect and to, and to uh, fight for and to be with and to the, these, these nice things. What's going on? Since when was it okay for a man to swear, let alone a woman? Amen. Because the attack is on gender. Because he doesn't want an agenda. He's got his own agenda. Amen. But male and female were created by God in his image. They were both created, male and female. But they were created male and they were created female. And God created male and female. Amen. And when you get born and you look down there, you know whether you're a male or female. Amen. Because there is a function for a male and a female. And the function is family, friends. And that truth will never change. And the church is meant to be a family. A group of male and females and kids, which a male and a female can produce. Amen. That's not on my notes, but I'm just, it's coming out because it's gotta be said constantly. So we, our reality, friends, is not our opinion because worse and worse as the world is drifting further and further away, you can't actually figure out who is what anymore. And then it's choice now anyway. It's choice you can decide who you are. And all it is is degrading the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he decides, because he's king, amen. And all the glory and the honor always and forever will go to him. And one day every knee will bow. And I've read the book, hallelujah. It's in the book. And at the end, they're all gonna bow, friends. So you and I have the privilege of bowing early. Amen. And letting him work in our lives. Now, why am I saying all that? I have no idea. But I just got very excited. Because I believe in the church. And I believe God is building his church. And when God is building his church, friends, we've got to listen to the gospel 
and understand the gospel and not listen to opinion or, or other thoughts about the church. Amen. So what Connor was sharing last week just about the church, it's very important for us to understand how powerful the church is. And that at the fundamental core of the church, there's a father and there's sons and daughters. At the fundamental core of the church, there's family. So if our opinions and our understandings and our realities are all over the place, we'll nev never get the full reality of what the church actually is. It's a group of people that have bonded themselves together, that have come together, that are working together, that are connected together, that are dependent on one another. Amen. And it's not a swear word to be dependent on one another. Since when was the wonderful American dream the gospel? Since when, since when was it owning a house and cars and 1.7 kids or whatever and, and having a, a retirement fund and, uh, and what have you, the gospel, friends? The gospel was about building a home for our father who one day is gonna come and return. The gospel was about a group of people becoming interdependent in one another, loving one another, working together, establishing and building something to the glory of God. That was the gospel, amen. It was not, it was not some sidetrack on a whole bunch of other things that are happening that are trying to take us away from what he's really all about, amen. So when it comes to the church, and the Bible talks about a body. Friends, we know that a body is interlinked and connected. Amen. It saddens me when we have people who pop in on a Sunday whenever they feel like it and then tell me, but the church is not acting like a body. You are darn right. Because a body doesn't pop in on a Sunday. If you've got some parts of your body that are popping in every now and then, you need to go and speak to them. You need to go and get some medical help. A body is constantly connected together, flowing and working together. Amen. You see, stones have to be, living stones have to be joined together to be a building. Amen. God's building. We know that God's not building a normal building. That's also the problem in the church. The problem in the church today is we, the, the gospel tells us that we're a family, but in reality, what's happened to the church, the church has become a physical building and a bunch of programs. Because the church hasn't become about Christ, it's become about themselves, so it's become about, it's a consumeristic approach. Where's your church? My church is on the corner of Riverbend and... And then how good is the building? Because when I walked into this building this morning, it smelt. There's a smell. Didn't really like church this morning. It smelt. But we parked quite close to the door. It's got to have a good parking lot. And then I smelt that I saw there, it said Hebrews, cappuccinos. It's got to have a good cappuccino. And then it better have good programs because I bring my kids. I better have a good kids program. Better have a good young adults program. Right? Or should we follow the other approach, which is I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. <laughs> it's like people coming up to Jane. Well, no, let me use the other way because it's actually the right way. Sorry. Connor coming to me and goes, Dad, I love you. About Chish, I don't like Jane. I go, wow, what a compliment. No, I, they would receive something. 
fivefold ministry right between the eyes. <laughs> and you'll get just as much of a ministry experience if you say, Grant, I like your head, but I don't like your body. <laughs> Amen. So we've got people in churches today, they're having altar calls and they're saying, come receive Jesus. You don't have to, I'm not asking you to join a church. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to receive Jesus. It's a load of Huey. Because if you're gonna get born again, you do belong to a local church. But I have not seen the head and the body going all over the place. They join together. If you get born again, you also get planted into a local church, friends. And God is about his local church. God is about a family. God is about establishing people. God is about putting people in their rightful place so they can be interdependent with one another so they can flow together. That's how the body works. As Connor was sharing, the more we actually operate together, the bigger, the, the, the further that we can reach and we can influence and the more we can function and the more we can display our capabilities. Hello. The more we functioning, operating together, the better we can display our capabilities. If I don't have a leg, friends, it's very hard for me to display my capabilities. No wonder the church cannot display its capabilities when its leg is lying over there and pops in five times every year. Come on, that's the gospel, friends. If it makes you uncomfortable, then you haven't heard the gospel. See, are we not supposed to be more connected in our lives? And are we really mentally Not well, if we come and pop in on a Sunday and then want to have the opinion that this body does not function like a family. Friends, the only way it'll function like a family is if you join it together like a family. Which is... It's not a physical building, it's you and I. So we have to connect together and operate. The only way you can operate. Friends, if you wanna see the capabilities of this group of people being a family, then you have to connect together and operate together. As each joint supplies, you will see its full capabilities. It can operate and it can work beautifully like that, but you have to connect together. Amen? So we don't pump, I don't pump home groups because, hey, I, I feel good if I've got this many home groups or that many people. I pump it because it's supposed to be a family. We're supposed to be connecting interdependent with one another. Amen. Joined together. Each joint supplying, friends. Each joint working together. Every part of this body all operating and flowing together. Friends, when you all put together, then the body flows and blood gets to every single area. When they operated fully in the early church, which was the true picture, which is you've got to go back to the source, Always to look at the true river. If you go back to the original picture, friends, everything was operating. There was no needy one among them. We have needy ones among us as a church today because we have a whole bunch of people disconnected who pop in and think that they can just give you a little spurt of blood and that should help. But how many know if you're connected, the blood flows to every single part. If it's not connected, it can't flow to all the different parts. Amen. And the different parts have different functions of what to do. Amen. So when they came and they gave it to the leadership of the, at, at the apostles' feet, friends, didn't mean that they made the apostles, uh, gave, made them overnight rich, by the way, just so we can say that very quickly. 
Friends, all the blood might pump through your heart, friends, but the heart's not meant to get big, whatever, and that and explode and now take over the whole body or decide to move out and go, whatever. The heart actually, is, his job is just for the, to be the, the flow of the blood to all the different parts of the body. Amen. In the church, when you've got leadership in the church, their responsibility is to flow the blood to all the different parts of the body. Amen. I've yet to see biblically in the New Testament people that got wealthy or rich financially from the gospel. Show me the, the, the illustration and I can work with it. Friends, the gospel was never for you and I to get rich. Never. I'll tell you why simply because we were ordained rivers. Amen? How many know that a dam will always be wider than the river? Can you be a river and accumulate? Have you ever seen a river accumulate? I've seen a river grow and get wide, but I've never seen a river accumulate ever in my entire life. Because a river, friends, is meant to flow. So as I get more yielded, as I trust God more, He gives me more finances. My river gets wider, but it's still Amen. Come on, the gospel, we're about rivers, friends. Why? Because we're not about this planet. Not interested in ordaining my life in this planet. I'm interested in storing up for myself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, friends. So if God wants to give me more, which we're all supposed to be living in that realm because he's the God of more Living in the realm of more, friends, it's so that I can flow more, my river can get wider, but it's never a dam. It's just a wide river. Amen. I haven't got to my notes yet, but this is quite exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm liking these thoughts. Should I go to my notes? It's getting uncomfortable. Or is that just me? It's getting hot now. Whew. Let me, let me give you this example. This is an illustration. Jesus comes on this earth, and uh, he lives 30 years, not told a heck of a lot, but we know he's obviously spending a lot of time with his heavenly father, but he's taking care of his family. We don't know what happens to Joseph. According to uh, historians, he passes away, and, um, and, and he's the oldest son, and he's taking care of everything, whatever. Comes to 30 now it's his, op his opportune time, it's the time now for him to begin his ministry and he goes and he gathers 12 people to himself and now he's gonna plow his life for the next three years in 12 people and uh, he's going around and the power and the presence of God, miraculous of God's moving through his life. He's in cities, crowds are gathering together, people are getting healed, all. Do you know how many times it says that in the Bible? He goes and he ministers with heaven, all get healed, man. Tell you, when they begin to bring people into 24-7 and all get healed, you will see a packed out, this place will be crowded, the car park uh, over the road will have them coming, filling this place out, friends. But Jesus decides, I'm gonna take 12 people and I'm gonna plow my life into those 12. 
We are gonna walk together on the roads, and it was quite hard then, but they didn't drive Porsches. They had Porsche the donkey, but they, had, uh, but they didn't have Porsches. He had to walk on the road, journey, sweat, tired, feet aching, went fishing, he had fun with them, went to cities, got stuff happening, did life with them, taught them about life, taught them what it meant, how it meant to deal with situations, circumstances, how to walk and journey in life. 12 people he plowed his life into. Why do you think Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem and set up a head office? Because man, he was popular, he was quite famous, so why didn't he just go and set up? Because you know what, it's all about your sphere of influence. He could have increased 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times his sphere of influence. Just set up the head office in Jerusalem. Create a branch in every single town and city. Have rallies. Thousands and thousands gather around. What's the church doing today? Head offices, sites and branches in every town and city so we can have a bigger sphere of influence. What's the model of the gospel? Plowing your life into 12 people. Oh, we've got a 3,000 church. You can't have family if you have 3,000 church. You can only have family, friends, if you follow the gospel. The gospel is you and I need to plow our lives into 12 people. Now, please, before you send me an email, well, where did you get the 12 from? Whether it's 10 or 13 or 14 or 50 or whether it's three is irrelevant. The point is, the gospel is about us connecting with one another, our lives becoming in, interdependent, not independent, but dependent on one another and walking and journeying with one another and helping one another and, uh, and doing life and fun and uh, hard times and, and, and in the up times helping and in the down times others pulling us up and journeying together as a true family, Right? Otherwise, you will have a whole lot of centers that are preaching something. But I promise you, they are not reflecting the true gospel because the only way you can reflect the true gospel is if we plow our lives into one another and become the true family of God. See, how did God go about creating a huge sphere of influence? Friends, it wasn't about planting a, a, a group of people somewhere. It was about a group of people becoming reliant, dependent, and working together with one another. The gospel has traveled in far and wide because of 12 people that lay their lives down and spent time with Christ, and Christ spent time with them. 
The way you establish and grow the church, friends, is by laying down your life and coming dependent, independent, I mean, coming uh, interdependent, dependent on one another and working together as a family and doing life together. And that costs. Because you have different spheres. For a large part of the church, they have a sphere of friends. For another, they have a sphere of business and they have the church. And most of the time, friends, the only time the church gets involved in their life is when they come on a Sunday or they pop in from some other meeting. But their sphere together is with these friends and it's with those work colleagues. And when they have challenges and difficulties, sometimes it's just shared with that sphere and that sphere. Friends, that's not the gospel. And you can sell it, you can spit it, you can shout it, you can do whatever you want. I'm telling you as I stand here now, it's not the gospel. The gospel is a group of people that lay down their lives and join together in one purpose, one mind, one focus, and that's to make Jesus Lord. Does that mean you can't have friends and you can't have business colleagues? No, what it does mean, friends, is that church isn't some gathering together on a Sunday or whenever you feel like it. Church is actually, a de we are dependent on one another. How do you become dependent on one another unless you actually all meet together and spend your life and pour it out with one another? And you can go and study this and you'll find out I'm right. And no matter how uncomfortable it might make us feel, it's still the truth and it's still the gospel. And it's still not preached. Because we're stuck on something else called the American dream. And America's stuck on the American dream. And the whole world celebrates that they're stuck on the American dream. And I'm saying, I've got a dream. It's this. Because it's his dream. And he wants to make it a reality. Our reality. Shall we turn to Philippians? Let's make this a legal preach. Hey, Dave. Let's go to the Bible. And why am I sharing all of this? Because it's frustrating in my heart when people... I know what they need, and I know what they're crying out for, but they're not prepared to lay down and pay the price of what. And as a pastor, as a shepherd of sheep, when people are needing family, they're needing people to stand together and work together. Friends, it's not gonna happen you popping in here on a Sunday. And you sit there and you go, no, but we should all love one another, and, and we should, this, is all, this is our whole family. Friends, if you pop in here on a Sunday, you're not going to love one another. You don't even know one another. You can do some veneering and it'll look nice, but I promise you that, put something hot on it. Come on. It's the truth, it's the gospel. And if you know truth, it sets you free. It'll either chase you out of here or get you in here. But Jesus said, I'm building my church. 
I want to be with him whatever he's building. Amen? I don't want to be building anything else. I want to be building what he's building. Can we get even more naughty? Can I? How naughty can I get? So we turn up the heat a little bit. Do you know that Jesus only mentions the word church twice? Do you know the first time Jesus mentions it? Matthew 16. When Peter gets a revelation, he says, who do you guys say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're Lord. He says, on this, I'm going to build my church. See, the church is built on the foundation understanding that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Isn't that interesting? Control. Come in, control. What is that? Uh, oh, no. It's, oh, really sorry. Um, <laughs> push the off button. <laughs> and then the second one is Matthew 18. And guess what it's about? Discipline. First time he mentions, these are not that way down in priority, friends. Jesus mentions it twice. They're right on the top of his list. The first one is he's talking about him being Lord. The second time he's talking about discipline in the church. Your brother sins and go and quietly repent and if he doesn't, take somebody with you. If he doesn't, then go to the church. And if he doesn't want to listen to you there, then kick them out of the church. This church is amazing. It's an amazing group of people. It's an absolute privilege. It's punishment to be kicked out of it. See, if you don't get this right, friends, if you're in the church for commercialism, it's no punishment. So what? So if I can't have a steak tonight, I'll just go and have pizza down the road. It's only punishment when you actually become dependent. When you're interlinked together, when you're working together, when everybody is functioning and operating together. Friends, you don't want to be out of that. Amen? Because you're getting supply from everybody. As each joint supplies, it matures and it grows up, friends. There's such a flow of life in that particular body that actually it's a huge threat. It's the final threat of all the processes and just all God's asking, by the way, all God's asking is repentance, if you read that story correct. It's not a heavy story, it's simply a repent. And he tries all the way through, but the big final thing is that you have to be removed out of the church. <gasps> it's like saying, if you don't do this thing, well, I'm going to chop your head off. We'll go, Whoa. that's like really serious, your body can't operate without its head. Imagine if the church understood that. It's really serious that if you don't repent, whatever, you're going to get your head chopped off, removed out of the, the local body. Isn't that interesting? But you'd never heard that. Well, this is all in the Bible, church. It's all in the Bible. It's telling you what's in the Bible. Let's go to Philippians. It's been enough naughty. I think I'll just be good for how much time have we got? Let me just read Philippians. It's the word. I love Philippians. My favorite book at the moment. 
Just reading from verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's talking about the church. It's talking about the Philippian church. It's talking about a group of people that have joined together, that are partnering together. These are amazing and lavish words, friends. These are words that every single one of us should say about one another. Amen? Saying my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. It is right for me to feel this way. Woo. How many of you feel this way about one another? It is right for me to feel this way. Wow. Wouldn't you love that? A group of people that feel this way about one another? Because I hold you in my heart as you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Ish. When one is being attacked because of the gospel, we're partners of this grace, standing with them and their family as they go through difficult times. And also we are standing together in the defense of the gospel and the confirmation of the gospel when we're out there ministering and preaching the word and laying hands and causing people to get healed and delivered and set free. And, and we're partnering together in this amazing grace, this privilege that all of us together are operating in, this amazing privilege, this amazing grace, the church. Amen. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is love language here of note. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. It is my prayer, church, for every single one of you and myself that our love may abound more and more with discernment and knowledge, friends. Because this love isn't just a nilly-willy love. It isn't just a flick-flack love. It isn't just a throw, it's, it's with discernment and knowledge. My love can grow, friends. Love, Jesus was, was love, friends. But he also turned over tables. He, learned, he, know, he knew how to say no. Love knows how to say no. But you've got to, it comes with knowledge and discernment. Amen. So what's the default? Just love. But with knowledge and discernment, you can grow and it can abound more and more in love. Amen? Well, I'm not sure whether I should actually give that guy my sandwich or not. Well, just give him your sandwich. Just let love flow. And then with discernment and some knowledge, you'll find that, okay, well, he's allergic to sandwiches. So, okay, maybe that wasn't. <laughs> okay, I'm using a silly example. What I'm trying to say is that you learn with discernment. That when you gave the guy a bottle of whiskey and he's an alcoholic, it maybe wasn't so much love. Okay. There's a tough crowd out there. They're not going to laugh whether I, what I say. Okay. 
listen to this, so that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. Oh, I want to stay on that, but let's just carry on. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Woo! Yes, please. Filled. Listen to that. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In young, this is what I was going to preach, and I'm not going to get to it, but this is so amazing that in Jesus Christ, friends, when we got born again, what we were filled with, what you find in Christ is the fruit of righteousness. Anybody who gets born again, whose life does not get transformed, who is not, you're not seeing any fruit of righteousness, can't be born again. So people that get born again and save whatever and that, but they carry on with their lives and, and no, it's fine, whatever, and by Jesus' grace, so, so I can just carry on sinning. Well, that's not the Bible. Amen. There's so many scriptures, I'm just trying to help you understand that when we get born again, receive Jesus Christ, that begins to manifest out of our lives is the fruit of righteousness. It's always been about righteousness. Amen. They were righteous. They then rejected God's righteousness and went for their own self-righteousness in the garden. And then they fell, friends, and they were never again righteous. And Jesus had to come back because only God is righteous. Jesus had to come back and restore back our righteousness, friends. And we live as the people of God with the fruit of righteousness. Amen. So our lives should display the fruit of righteousness. This is not rocket science. Amen. What's righteousness? Friends, it's everything who God is. It's His nature and His character and everything who is. It's display. It's not about doing right. It's about who you are. Amen. So you can make mistakes, but you flow. The fruit, friends, is peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, forgiving, tolerant, caring, loving. On and on and on and on. Amen. And my favorite part Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Woohoo! It's all, this whole thing is all about glory and praise to God. It's not about glory and praise to us, it's about glory and praise to God. Amen. You see, if you respond better, I wouldn't have to go to another scripture, but now I have to go to another scripture. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse, let's just read verse, uh, let's just read from verse uh, somewhere, verse 13. Since we have, since we, <laughs> since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and, I, and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us uh, with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Woo! So, so just as grace extends to more and more people, how are you and I saved? We are saved by grace. 
So as His grace is extending to more and more people, so as more and more people are getting saved, right, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Our salvation, friends, is to the glory of God. Amen. Our whole life is about the glory of God. Still too quiet. Okay, I'm carrying on. You see, when we realize how dependent we are on God, our whole salvation is dependent on Him, His grace, His unmerited favor. When we understand that, then it's all to His glory. So our lives become yielded totally to Him and bring Him glory. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. That's one. Ephesians chapter two. Verse eight and nine. You know all this, but I'm gonna just carry on with it. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. So here, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So grace, faith, and the gift, friends, are all there to stop us from boasting. Because he goes on to say that if we're gonna boast, we boast in the Lord, amen. <laughs> we are not to boast in ourselves or our own works or our own doing. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. For God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Woo! The one who's wise, the one who's strong, the one who is independently haves, all the independent haves, God's gonna bring to nothing through the have not. All the ones that are independent Wise, independent, strong. He's gonna bring them to shame. Uh, Let's just go to Ephesians. The message is still not getting across. People are not jumping out of their chairs, running around the building. Now you'll see the motivation. Let's see if the people do jump out of their chairs. (laughs) Let's <laughs> see. Just to get me to stop. <laughs> okay, anyway. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us. Woo! We were chosen by God before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. In love he predestined us. Thank you, Kim. Adoption as sons, for what? To the praise and the glory of his grace. 
Verse 11 and 12, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who walks, works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Woohoo! Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm landing. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, we'll just read two verses and I'll wrap it up because you were so diligent and so committed and now I know what motivates you. Um, Isaiah chapter two, verse 12. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up. It shall be brought low. Verse 17. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Woo! Now I could go through a whole bunch of other scriptures, but because you were so excited and very all wonderfully and listening, I'm just gonna encourage you and say this, that God is a plan and God is a purpose. And His plan and His purpose is His church. It's the mystery that was being revealed. From ages that was hidden, now it's revealed. It's the church. Right? And in his church, through Jesus Christ, Christ came and took authority back from the enemy. So the Bible says that he's put 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think it's verse 23 to 28. You can go read it there. He's put all authority under his feet. Now he's given all authority to the church. The church is his body, so all authority is under the church's feet. So now it's the responsibility of the church to bring everything in subjection underneath their feet. Right? I'm speaking fast, but I'm speaking quickly. Right? So you are awake. Amen. <laughs> I'm speaking slow, but I'm speaking slowly. So... There's a plan and a purpose for the church. The plan and the purpose for the church is to be his body, is to be connected together, is to be functional, is to do all that God's called us to do. Yes, we agree on that. But friends, in order to be able to do that, there are certain things that need to happen in order for our body to be able to function. And one of the key elements of all of that is the whole reason why he's put together this amazing body, why he's put together the church, why he's establishing the church, why the gates of hell will not prevail against it, friends, is because it's his demonstration for his glory, for his glory, not for man's glory, friends. I want you to know a simple truth, friends. Did a little bit of renovations myself recently, learned this little truth. Number one, flipping hard. <laughs> but number two, friends, I don't care how good your kitchen looks. I don't care if your kitchen looks the best thing ever. I don't have people come in there and they give all, whoa, what a kitchen. And yo, it's fantastic and it's all beautiful. Friends, that kitchen is worthless without a house. How many people here go to the different display showrooms, whatever, and go and cook their food and have a, have a nice time in the display? Anybody? Anybody doing that? You go to a home. But you know what happens with the kitchen, friends? When you redo your kitchens, all looks nice. What does it add value to? Adds value to your house. Woo. Everything is to bring him glory. Everything. 
Everything that we say and do, friends, when we begin to function like this body and we function correctly, begin to uh, reach and do, friends, and, uh, and display who he really is, it's all for his glory. It's not for man's glory at all. It never was about man's glory, never will be about man's glory. It's all about him. And the amazing thing, I never even got to this, but I'll say this very quickly in the Bible, is that if you read there 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 23 to 28, read verse 27. It talks about everything becoming subjection underneath Christ, who will be exalted in, in the highest place. Christ is exalted in the highest place. But guess what verse 28 says? Verse 28 says, and then he subjects, all they were subjected to him, he subjects it to the Father. Woo! We as the people of God, no matter how powerful, no matter how wonderful, no matter what we do, oh, where we might get honor and glory because glory will come our way. The Bible says it will come our way. But at the end of the day, it's all subjected to His glory. Amen. So come on, if we have this attitude in the church, if it's all about His glory, it's about Him, friends. It's about being a river. I wanna be wider and wider as a river, friends. It's about flowing. It's about every need in the church being met. It's about every single part functioning properly, operating, working uh, to its full capacity. It's about every single person linked in uh, together, friends. It's about being family. It's about being sons and daughters. It's about being in each other's lives. It's about walking the hard yards. It's about helping one another. It's about encouraging one another. It's about standing there, friends, fighting for one another, friends, defending one another, uh, 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 encouraging and lifting up one another another, friends, in every single aspect, when the church becomes the full church, friends, and becomes that display, even in the midst of all of that, becomes for His glory. Yeah. Amen. Not for our glory, friends. Friends, retirement, I don't even understand whether retirement's even a biblical concept, to be honest. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's even a biblical concept, honestly, because I don't think we're meant to retire. What does that actually mean, friends? Because it plants some concepts in our heads, friends, which in the minute that you have that, see, the minute you have one domino fall, it starts to fall other dominoes. The minute you have that concept, suddenly there's a dam forming in my subconscious. Because somewhere I've got to delay and push things for future. I've never seen a river doing that, ever. You go, oh, but this planet, what happens when you can't, and what happens if you've got, this happens and that happens, yeah, 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 all that. I'm just talking about the church, his glorious church. Oh, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> what a beautiful thing that God is building and creating, this beautiful building. It's called the church. It's a spiritual building. It's not this building. It doesn't matter if I come here and it smells because this is not the church. This is the church. It doesn't matter if this smells because I'm there to bring fragrance. Oh. Have you got two minutes? Three minutes. Let me, uh, let me read this to you. Can I just read one? We finished uh, Philippians uh, right at verse whatever it was, 11. Listen to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, he's in prison, Right? He's in prison, he's writing this. He's saying, what has happened to me is there to serve to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial God and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing that no matter what happens in our life as the church, because we have one another, because we're securing one another, because we're supportive of one another, because each one's supplying, because we're helping one another, friends, that whatever our journey in my life, it's for the advancement of the gospel, it's for his glory. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because how can that happen, friends? Unless the church is operating like the church. 
Here he's saying, I got thrown in prison. And it was for the advancement of the gospel. Woohoo! Guess what? Guys, you know what happened? I lost my job today. But you know what? It was for the advancement of the gospel. What? I didn't mean that it was for the advancement of the gospel. Well, you know what? When the guy came and he stood at me and he told me you, you lost your job, I said, shame, how are things going? Well, you must be taking strain. Are you battling? Uh, how many people have you got to actually tell and, and share that they've lost their job and, and it must be emotionally quite a strain? Imagine in the midst of everything, in the midst of me losing my job, friends, I am sharing the gospel. I'm advancing the gospel. Imagine if I can be love in every situation because I've got a group of people that's standing with me, that love me, and that are supportive of me, and that, friends, it doesn't matter what's going on there. I'm in the church. Amen. Whether I've got a job or don't have a job. Now, if you don't have a job because you were naughty, the church is there to discipline you. But I'm talking about every situation. It doesn't matter what hardships we're going through. Doesn't matter the difficulties and the challenges. I lost that contract. In the midst of the losing the contract, I can display the kingdom of God. I can be God in that. The, the gospel can advance in the midst of everything that I'm going through. Why? Because I'm part of the church. Amen. Man, not no, well, you, you're on your own, buddy. Ping. <laughs> Come on. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about this is the local church. 114 times, friends, in the New Testament, it talks about church. Over 90 of them relate to local church. This universal kukuluku, friends. Majority of the time, he's talking about a local church, to be planted and rooted in a local church, a group of people that are standing with you, helping with you the best they can in God, so that your life can display the goodness of God all the time, no matter what's going on. Amen? Paul's telling us that. Guys, this is for the advancement. It's beautiful. The whole God now know that I'm saved and it's because of Jesus. Amen. Shall we stand? I really have finished now, Dave. I've finished. See, it's Dave. He's inspiring me again. <laughs> now, I know I say a lot and shout and do all those kind of things, but you all know me. So, that's not the point. The point is the gospel. Amen? And I'm saying, where are we advancing? What you just released now is an apostolic teacher gifting anointing and it's a riverbank. So when you're praying and you're releasing it, people are aware that they're allowing truth to become riverbanks in their lives. It's not just a sermon, but let this thing be. Okay. Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. You know, when we were, when we were worshiping there and we were singing that song, it's a song, I think it's a Bethel song. Um, and and it's a, it's a, at first, when I first read those words, it was a bit of a crazy song. It said, like, crash over me and, and I'm out of control. And, and whether you sink or swim, it's beautiful. And I'm like, no, no, I think it'd be better if I can swim because sinking is not so lacquer. <laughs> But uh, the more uh, we kind of listen to that song, the more I realize the revelation of, 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 the, of what God was trying to s sing through that song. And that's that, you know, we fight so hard to be independent. We fight so hard to be in control. But the most beautiful place is when you're out of control. It's irrelevant whether you sink or swim. You're in Him. Amen? And I think what God's doing in this local church, honestly, I think he's got us all to a place. I don't know if you're sinking or swimming.
but you're not in control. Amen. And when you're not in control, it's the most beautiful place to be because you become the church. <laughs> How many know that the body can't function without the head? How many know the, 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 that actually the body isn't in control? Do you know that the head is in control? Do you know that when you take the head off the body, do you know how well the body functions? If you're, if you're confused about that, honestly, just sever your head off your body and see how well your body does. It'll just fall on the ground and just not do anything. It might just jigger for a little while. Friends, when we become submitted to Him, when, we, when we're out of control and He's in control, we become the church. <laughs> so Father, we just wanna say to you today, and we repent where we've been in control. We're tired of being in control. It's hard work being in control. We just release control. We say, you are Lord. And on that revelation, you are building your church. And on that revelation, the gates of hell cannot prevail against that revelation. So thank you for that revelation today for every single one of us that you are Lord. And we are not in control. But I thank you, Lord God, that you just come crashing over us with your love. And I don't care whether I'm sinking or swimming as long as I'm in your love. It's the most beautiful place to be in, Lord. We can just saturate ourselves in your love and let you come and have your way, Lord. Father, that which you're building here 24-7, Lord God, let it be the kingdom of God. Let it be the church. Let it be your heart's desire that we truly would become a family. It is my desire, Lord. As I know it's the desire of many in this church, it is our desire that we become family. It is my desire that we honor one another, that we honor our kids, that we look after our kids as if they were our own, all our kids. It's my desire that we display family to the community around us. It's my desire that there's no needy one amongst us. But Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us. The only way to fulfill that, Lord God, is to allow you to transform and change our lives. To allow the gospel to come. The true gospel and revolutionize our thinking, the way we operate everything about our lives, Lord God. That we would begin to connect, Lord, just as Jesus, you gave us the model how you spent all your life with 12 people, ate with them, lived with them, walked with them, had fun with them, bride with them, cried with them, died with them. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in 24 seven church. That you alone, Lord, you alone would receive all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor forever and ever. Amen. 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 If you need any-